From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. With the countdown to the federal election on, both sides of politics are attempting to shore up internal support and to reassure voters. Labor is still firmly ahead in the polls, but the race is getting tighter, at least according to news poll. In an unprecedented development, however, the Liberal Party has begun turning on Scott Morrison. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the fight ahead. It's Friday, April 8. Paul, an election still has not been called, but it feels like both leaders are already campaigning. So what's going on exactly? Well, it certainly looks and smells like an election campaign. Showing off his hospitality skills, Mr Morrison hopped behind the bar to pour a cold beer for locals. Scott Morrison made a very campaign-like appearance on Wednesday night at a pub in Newcastle, meeting voters and pouring beers. But not everyone was happy to see Scott Morrison. Look, mate, you rig up your office and you do nothing. They don't even return a call. The scene in Newcastle where the PM was confronted by angry voters was very different from what the government and its supporters were hoping for. Get out of your way. Let me talk. We're talking. Okay, this is what you said when you got elected last time. We're going to help all those people that worked all their lives, paid their taxes, and those that have a go will get a go. Hey, you better do something. I don't care. I'm sick of your. So why hasn't an election been called then if the Prime Minister is so keen to be out there campaigning? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, We do know that he has to call it within the next two weeks because May 21 is the absolute deadline for the election. Maybe he's waiting for all this messiness to die down or go away. But there's a strong expectation here in Canberra if he doesn't call it today, he'll call it Saturday or Sunday. But, Paul, surely there is something more to the Prime Minister's plan than just hoping that things settle. Well, exactly, Ruby. And while he waits to call a formal election campaign, he's been swamping the media with taxpayer-funded government ads that are blatantly about getting the Liberal Party re-elected. Australia is taking the next step, and the Australian government's economic plan is helping. It's been a tough... On top of that, all travel is paid for by the taxpayer until the writs are issued. Now, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg admitted as much on the weekend, saying on Insiders he was flying off to Perth to, quote, campaign. Will you campaign with the Prime Minister in your seat? Well, if he would like to come down, he'll be very welcome. And I'll be campaigning with him around the rest of the country, as I'll be campaigning in the rest of the country. And that flight, of course, was paid for by us, the taxpayers. So, for the past few months, the government has essentially been using public money to run its election campaign pitch. But if the batch of public opinion polls this week is any guide, it's all been to no avail. It continues to trail very badly. The average Labor lead, two-party preferred, in all four published polls is 9.4%. And Labor's convinced it's because the punters have, quote, seen through Morrison. He's all announcement and not much delivery. One campaign insider told me they know he's a bullshitter. Mm. So do you think that this is a sign then that the coalition's election hopes are feeling a bit rattled, Paul? (laughs) Well, 
If it was confident, its management of the economy, the pandemic, the bushfires, the floods and women's issues was so impressive, why would it have to spend $8.6 billion in one-off temporary vote-buying measures? Well, Morrison looks and sounds under the pump, and that's because he is. The Sydney Morning Herald's front page on Tuesday carried the headline, Labor Hits the Front. Tellingly, Morrison has lost his lead over Albanese as preferred Prime Minister and continues deep in negative territory on approval of performance. You know he's been on a steep downward slope over the past year compared to the opposition leader's steady rise, something that's been tracked in all the published polls. And there's no surprise the relief offered in the budget won overwhelming public support. But there's a real question about whether popular petrol tax cuts and one-off payments can really do anything to improve Morrison's position. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, it sounds like the budget hasn't done what the coalition might have hoped. It hasn't really delivered the the bump in popularity that they would have wanted before calling an election? Well, they would have been hoping for a quick bounce. Uh, An early budget helped turn around Morrison's fortunes in 2019, and that led to his unexpected victory. But there are significant differences between then and today. And the first is, this time, Morrison has lost the trust and respect of a huge swathe of the population and he's not facing a less popular opponent than himself. Albanese is not Bill Shorten, and he hasn't put on the agenda a series of tax rearrangements worth $350 billion over a decade that could be deceptively portrayed as a plan to tax you to death. But Labor is bracing for the kitchen sink to be thrown at it, and already is seeing a compliant media amplifying government attacks. Albanese's promise to end the crisis in aged care is a prime example. There was trite criticism after Labor frontbencher Mark Dreyfus dared to admit it may take a while longer to get 24-7 registered nurses into every nursing home. Then there was the perennial question, where's the money coming from? And this from a government that has given Australia the biggest debt burden in history. If we're going to continue in deficit, surely we should be directing the borrowing to worthwhile things. And it seems for this government, 
the cost of giving older Australians dignity and respect, as recommended in Scott Morrison's Royal Commission, is no longer up there with vote-buying, pork-barrelling and rorting. Mm. And, Paul, for some time now we've been hearing from colleagues of Scott Morrison uh, who have said no nice things about him. So can you step me through the latest, what's been said in the last few days? Well, first of all, Ruby, it's unprecedented in my experience so close to an election for there to be such a pile-on of strident criticism coming from within a leader's own party and on his side of politics. If you're not just a politician, you get a vote in the election, would you vote for Scott Morrison? Well, I won't be voting for his government in this election, no. The latest critic was New South Wales Upper House Liberal MP Catherine Cusack. The trigger for her disgust was the Prime Minister's overt politicisation of flood relief in the Northern Rivers. My way or the highway is one thing to say to your own members in the Liberal Party, but for that attitude to spill out and impact funding decisions, public funding decisions that flood victims are depending on is outrageous. And in a rare interview with Lee Sales on 7.30... Prime Minister, welcome back. Thanks, Lee. Great to be here. Morrison was confronted with this outbreak of what you might call friendly fire. In the past week, we've seen two MPs from in your own party from different factions come out with the most strident criticisms of you. The first was Senator Conchetta Ferraventi wells and today it's a state New South Wales MP, Catherine Cusack. Ms Cusack said she would not vote for you in the election, even though she's a lifelong member of the party. Why would somebody like that just turn on you if there was no basis? Oh, well, look, Catherine, I've known for a long time. She, she made... The Prime Minister, incredibly, denied he was a factional player. It's a tough job and it's been a tough time and people have had a tough time of it over the last three and a half people years. People in your own party? Because they're the ones that seem to be leading oh, the criticism. Look, Lee, there are always people who are disappointed with outcomes that they wanted that they didn't get and, and they'll have an axe to grind. And we've seen that. That's pretty normal in politics, particularly when you're going into an election. So, But you know, almost all of this ugly fight is down to his role in factional power plays within the Liberals in his home state of New South Wales. In the meantime, we now have very frank and damaging character assessments from Senator Fioravanti Wells, Elizabeth Cusack, Gladys Berejiklian, Barnaby Joyce, Malcolm Turnbull and Michael Toke. Mm. And Paul, you say that you've never seen something like this before, a sitting Prime Minister being pulled apart by his own party on the eve of an election. So what does it mean for the next few weeks once the campaign starts in earnest? Well, Ruby, it means the Prime Minister will continue to struggle for clear air. Instead of putting Anthony Albanese on the defensive, it will be Scott Morrison with his back to the wall. And it gives Albanese the initiative to fight the campaign on his terms rather than Morrison's. It's a complete turnaround from the 2019 campaign. Paul, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you, Ruby. Bye. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, 
Evacuation orders are in place for areas across the New South Wales coast and in Sydney as the state continues to experience record-breaking rainfall. The Bureau of Meteorology says up to 300 millimetres of rain is forecast in New South Wales over the coming days and that Sydney has already surpassed its average annual rainfall total for this year. And US officials say that Russian troops have continued to pull back from areas around Ukraine's capital and are regrouping to focus on the east of the country. A senior defence official said that Russia had completed its withdrawal from around Kiev and that these troops were expected to be redeployed elsewhere in Ukraine. And the remaining refugees and asylum seekers detained at the Park Hotel in Melbourne have been released. Eight men, detained by the Australian government for up to nine years, were released from the makeshift detention centre on Thursday. 7am is a daily show from the monthly and the Saturday paper. It's produced by Elle Marsh, Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Anu Hasbold and Alex Gow. Our senior producer is Ruby Schwartz and our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our new editor is Scott Mitchell. Welcome. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you next week. <laughs>